Hey, welcome everybody to the Wired for Growth podcast brought to you by Winona IT. Thanks for joining us today. Today's topic, a really interesting topic, we're going to be talking about work-life balance. We've got Scott Naveen here with us. Scott works at Winona IT as our director of company culture, and we have a guest speaker today, Dustin. Dustin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Dustin Gegline. Uh, I'm the founder and chief consultant at Caliber Consulting. So for about the last four to five years, I've been working with many different businesses, well over 100 at this point, um, really focusing entirely around the employee experience. So conversations like work-life balance, um, supervisor effectiveness, helping them solve retention issues and holding on to their A players. Pretty much anything that revolves around culture and people are conversations that I've been getting to have. Uh, so recently connected with you two, excited to, to be here and talk about this today. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Where can people find out a little bit more about your business, your, your consulting? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so we have a website, caliberconsulting.org. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Dustin Gagline. Uh, the name spelling will probably be... No. We'll, throw it up on the, we'll throw it up on the screen. <laughs> So today's topic, Scott, we've, we've talked about this for years now, I feel like. And um, wh- when you think of work-life balance, where, I guess, where can people start their understanding of this? Yeah, it's, it's a broad topic for sure. Um, I, I think what comes to mind for me is thinking about like what, what a person is setting out for their purpose in life and, and where they're finding their value. Um, you know, I think... The word balance is it can be a little misleading at times um, because there's just different demands. You know, sometimes the home front things go crazy and and you have to you know apply a little more focus and effort there. And then there's other times certainly the workplace needs more of you and things. So I, I think a lot of it for me anyway has really come down to where I'm finding my meaning and purpose. And where where would you guys kind of define? even work-life balance what what what's the elevator pitch someone asking what is that i guess in my perspective we're not two separate selves right we're we're individual whole beings um and we don't even if we try we we can't fully hang up our work hat when we get home and we can't fully hang up our home hat when we get to work and so knowing that we are that whole person um and that there are finite resources like time and energy and stress levels um I guess to me, it's just having an understanding from the professional and personal angle that we are one person and that we have, we have to keep the right boundaries and things in check to maintain uh, sanity and <laughs> success in both realms of our life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. All right, Scott, I'm putting you on the seat. How do we do as an organization overall with this topic? Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, we have our challenges like any young growing company. Um, we certainly strive, I think, to set some decent lanes for people to run in. And I would say on the whole for a company our size and the demands that we have, I think we do a, honestly a pretty good job. People run hard when they're at work, but, you know, most people are, are able to keep some pretty good boundaries and get home at a decent decent hour. How, how have you seen it? You've been in the market, I'll say two or three more years than me on, on this. How, how have you seen it really change over, you know, over your time in the workplace? Yeah, I would say, you know, definitely the shift has been from companies being able to kind of demand and say, hey, this is how it is. If you want to work sure, here sure. Um, to now, I, I think employees have a lot more leverage. What's what's really behind a lot of that shift? Because I agree when I think kind of stereotypically of what it used to be like or what I'm told it used to be like, I think of 
it, it wasn't really a topic that was even discussed nearly as much as it is today. What's, what's made that shift in your mind? You know, I, I think I think there's some complex factors. Certainly, it was already happening, I think, pre-COVID, but that, you know, I think just put a whole new level of demands, honestly, that, that the employee could make um, with so many people being, you know, pushed to work from home. And then some companies were like, all right, we have all this office space we're paying for. We want people back in the office. And people are going, Time out. Yeah. <laughs> this actually worked for us yeah. for six months, a year. You're, you can't tell me that the company can't continue on because sure. we just did. Sure. So it was kind of a game changer. Dustin, you're more in the analytics. I guess we kind of have more of a subjective view. Does the analytics kind of back up what Scott's talking about here? Oh, 100%. I mean, talking even about COVID, when a company decides to go remote or hybrid and that's an option, they have increased their talent pool infinitely, basically, right? And as an, as an employee seeking employment, if I know I have options outside of the geographical ring, I used to have to think it's like, how far am I willing to drive to get a job? Now it's like, well, that's not a factor anymore. So more people I have access to more employers and those employees are looking for the best of the best, which means they're going to offer the best of the best. And so I think that that, again, I think the, the hybrid remote thing is the biggest variable I've seen shift in the last three years and not brand new three years ago, but a lot more normal then. um, so yeah, when it comes to the pickiness, I don't know, that's not the word you use, but when you have uh, power in the, in the job you are looking for, uh, you get a lot more at your disposal. And so, yeah. Keeping with the, the subject of data, I mean, what, what are some of the really obvious correlations you see when, it, when you're surveying to get information on work-life yeah. balance? Yeah. And what's maybe a, a correlation that might be a surprise to us? In terms of the first, I would actually reference, and I'm going to go to, to Gallup just as a, an industry leader when it comes to these things. Um, they put out a study in 2021 that looked at the generational differences. And so they looked at Gen Z, Millennial, Gen X, and Boomer, those four. When we looked at Boomers and Gen X, they're looking for ethical leadership. That's top of the priority list. If I want to work for this company, this is something that's kind of a must for me. I want to know that I'm following someone who leads well and is ethical in their pursuits. And ethical would also mean aligns with my morals and my my views. I think I don't think that's as much true. Okay. With, okay. Um, I mean, we that might be a whole other conversation. I think it's more about value alignment and are they who they say they are? Like trustworthy, trustworthy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Not as much on the moral or maybe you know even the political ends that we see um, more recently. Now that was still a top three issue uh, or top three desire for the younger two, uh, the millennials and Gen Z. But top above that was that the employer values their well-being as a person. So that's actually above the desire for to follow ethical leadership is, is the organization going to take care of me? Now, within that, there's a lot there. I mean, there's, there's the financial well-being. Um, there's the some of those considerations that are more physical or we're used to seeing in the job place. But they're saying, no, I, I want my employer to care about my mental health. I want my employer to care about my emotional well-being. Yeah. I want relational um, focus at work. And so that may or may not be surprising to some. I think we see those trends in younger generations, but that has really stuck to me um, or stuck with me over the, the last couple of years since that study came out. Um, and I think it's really pertinent to the work-life balance conversation. No, that makes a whole lot of sense. Are, are there studies or findings that have, have come out you, that you think would most people would be surprised by some of these findings? One thing that has been surprising to me in this work-life balance conversation is that the move to remote for some industries has not been 
all positive. Sure, sure. So when we talk, when we think about balance, we think about the time allotment. We're like, well, gosh, you're at you're at home. You don't have to you don't have to commute. You don't have to spend money for lunch. Um, if something comes up, we know you can handle it. And so there's this notion that it can only be a positive thing. Um, but early on, and this was this was something that started to come out right in the middle of the COVID. Um, was this idea, this notion that it actually can create more stress and worse work-life balance for some of those that are fully remote or and or hybrid. Sure, sure. And you is that an guess, isolation thing, or I think it's a lack of uh, no. They've they've not had to create those type of boundaries that they have. So I have my island in the in the. This is a real. This is a real uh, personal example for me. A year into working from home, um, I, kids would go to school. My wife's a teacher. She would leave. I'd set my laptop on the island and I'd work. It's a peninsula technically up in, in my kitchen. Kids get home, close the laptop and you know, give them hugs. We do dinner, do all the, the family things. If I have a few minutes, the kids going to get a bath, I pop the laptop over, sure, answer a sure. couple of emails, close it back up. What I found or what my wife pointed out was that I was doing that a lot. She said, I know you're not working, but you're kind of always working. And so we can do that with our phone, but with my laptop there, and that was my office, my kitchen was my office, it was really hard for me to distinguish those boundaries. Sure, sure. So it's a personal example of something that I think people found out that, oh, good Lord, I need to, like, goodness, I need to find uh, my own boundaries that I've never had to make before. Yeah, I want to ask you a little bit more about that. So one one thing I think is really interesting is the, the work-life balance conversation can change depending on your level of, of job satisfaction, yeah. right? So um, if you, you hate your work or your spouse maybe doesn't um, support your line of work, for example, there can be additional need to kind of compartmentalize. And, and that is yeah. probably much more difficult in work from home environments. Oh yeah, that exactly. The way yeah. you phrased it was great. That compartmentalization. Um, I don't think people assume that you need to do that. Yeah. You assume yeah. that those things will happen naturally like they have when you're at the office. Sure. Right. Sure. Those are geographical triggers. You know, you walk out the door, you're in your car, there's transitions. It's like you used to have a 30 minute drive home to transition away from work. And it's now you have a, a three second walk up the stairs, Yeah, you know, potentially yeah. that it's not much of a transition. You have to get in your car and drive around the block and then, you know, <laughs> yeah. do that mental maybe, shift. Yeah. Maybe we should recommend that. <laughs> One of the questions that I, I hear all the time is, is there such thing as work-life balance? And I think we're alluding to some, some principles here, but at, at, is balance the right word? You know, that seems to me that it implies when one is up, the other one has to be down. Yeah. And and what I've always tried to coach that I think there can be a plus one in your in at work and there simultaneously can be a plus one in, in your personal life. I guess is balance the right word or you think there's an integration there? I mean, how what are some thoughts there? I think it doesn't have to be, you know, pitting one against the other. Um, I know for myself when I'm pretty fulfilled at work and what I'm getting to do or what I feel like I'm, I'm impacting my effectiveness. I, I bring a better person of me home and, and the reverse is true when sure. things are, you know, frustrating or I'm feeling extra stress. Certainly I bring a, a harsher version of me. I do think the word is interesting. I mean, balance has been the word we've used to describe that. Um, and the more I think about it, the, the balance part does work with the time aspect of work-life balance, right? Because time is a finite thing. If you're not at work, you are at home sure, mostly. Sure. Um, 
And that, I think, does teeter. And that's the image you get, the teetering, right? There's ne never more than 24 hours in a day, yeah. no matter what. Yes. So, yeah. so you can give up things, but ultimately you can't create time. So in that sense, the balance word makes sense. But even then, I personally don't think that work-life balance is only about time. Definitely. So that's Definitely. one variable, and it might be the most important variable, but it's not the only one. Um, we have to think about the mental, uh, the mental stress uh, that we endure and how, like you said, having a bad day at work and how that affects home and likewise home affecting work. But it's not a balance in that if I'm alleviated from stress at work and I have a highly purposeful role and I'm very successful um, and therefore satisfied and engaged, I come home. And all of that stress is removed. In fact, I'm maybe in a better state of mind than I that sure. I would be at another place of employment. So that's not a, a that's not a teetering conversation or concept anymore, right? The time might be. So yeah, I, I like integration. Uh, I still like balance for some conversations too. So I don't know if there's a magic word sure. that replaces that. Sure. Um, I don't know. I, I would ask you too. I mean, what do you think even within different industries or jobs, like maybe heavier on blue collar or, you know, in a job where someone's like, I'm very much just care for the paycheck. I hate it here, but I'm going to keep working here because I get, you know, I make good money to that person. Is it more balanced and integration? I, I don't know. I'm yeah. Yeah. I definitely think a, a huge role, a huge portion of this comes down to job satisfaction. You know, am I, am I feeling fulfilled and am I in the right job? Do I hate my job? This is all, all these factors I think play a big role, but I like how you highlighted time is an aspect mental and physical demand is another mm -hmm. aspect. Certainly. Um, what other aspects do you look for when you're coaching, when, when the data suggests could be an imbalance, what, what's another one there? Yeah, I would say, um, so there was a study in 2021, not from Gallup. It was a, a private study. And what they did is they were looking more at blue collar. So this was specifically blue collar. I think it applies elsewhere. Um, and they look for the variables that all that all lead to burnout, essentially, or an imbalance on the work-life piece. So time was the first primary input. Just after that was looking at how does time impact that mental load or that stress and the play that that has on home versus professional and what, what Scott was mentioning, the how they can kind of mess with each other, right? But the most interesting thing to me and what I think is one of the primary factors that we don't think about is perceived success. So if I'm working my butt off and I put in a 60 hour week and then things start to go downhill from there and I have that negative stress load home and personal and they play off each other, eventually, and this is especially true for high performers, eventually you stop feeling successful. And I think that's the, that's the point of burnout that we don't talk about it because by that time it's too late. If I don't feel successful at home and my spouse and my kids are disappointed whether they say that or not, right? But I, I know, we know. Yep. And yeah. if my boss is disappointed, and they probably will tell you, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a place where you think this is not worth it. Totally. We didn't think that when we we're just working long hours, like we can work long hours. Yeah. We can work hard, right? Yeah. We can take a little stress here and there. But it's that third factor that do we feel successful? And so I'm working with a company now to Pennsylvania, and we did a, uh, we ran a campaign, an employee assessment, an employee experience campaign. And we worked this into there. We had eight questions around this conversation. We got real deep into it. And we touched on that success part. Like, do you feel, we're asking people at work, do you feel successful at home? Do you also, we asked, a lot, we also asked if they feel successful at work. Okay. So do you feel successful at home? Yeah. And it may sound like a weird question for a boss to ask or, you know, your employer to ask. But 
that's the most interesting piece for me. Yeah. When you see yeah. a team or a group of people, say we see a trend, it's like, well, gosh, all our Gen Zers aren't feeling success outside of work. There's something there. Yeah. There's something yeah. we need to figure out. Well, right? that's, we were talking a little bit earlier about surprising correlations. I would say that certainly strikes me as a surprising correlation that someone's success at home carries over into this, this general topic, but it makes perfect sense that it would. Yeah. Completely. I've, I've worked with lots of people that you could see a tail off in their, their work performance. And as you dove into it deeper, something was going on at home. You know, maybe they had a wayward kid, um, you know, could be a multitude of different things. But to see it, it roll back into what was normally a pretty effective worker be impacted by what's going on at home is, is a completely normal thing. Yeah. Can I, can I ask? I was just I'm thinking of a question for you, Michael. So yeah. you, you run a business. You're yeah. responsible for how many people at this point? I think we're up to 60, 60, 60 and so 60 people. I yeah. mean, that's not insignificant when let's say that one of those employees is in the middle of that, right? Whatever it would be. Sure. Home turmoil of some sort. Sure. Sure. What responsibility? I mean, that's what I hear a lot of leaders say. Well, that's not my responsibility. Right. Whatever goes on at home, that's up to you. Figure yep. that out. Yeah. As an employer, do you feel, I mean, yeah. What comes to mind when, when that happens? Yeah. You know, um, this is such a great question. The question I was just teeing up is, whose responsibility is the work-life balance conversation, the employer or the employee? And, and so I think those are related questions, but ultimately it is a responsibility of the employee. Um, however, I feel called as, as an employer to come alongside people that are in that, that point in time to coach them on, listen, family first, you know, um, there, there's work, can, can oftentimes wait. It can, it can take a back seat. There's very important things. You're not going to have a, a redo on your marriage. Your, I mean, there's just so many aspects that need to take a priority. So I, I don't, I don't feel necessarily an obligation to always accommodate external life circumstances, but I, I feel called to do so when, when possible. And Scott, you've, you know, you've coached me a lot on this topic. Maybe you can comment further. Yeah, I, I think, you know, a company has to decide how they are going to handle those things because it can be really easy to just kind of be corporate and just say, like you said, Dustin, you know, hey, you, you got to figure this out, but I need you here tomorrow at eight, ready to go and ready to work. And I think what's been neat about the culture that we're really trying to um, promote is really coming alongside employees and just saying, hey, what is going on? Take the time you need and how can we assist and, and come alongside and, and help you? And a lot of times it is just giving them yeah. that, that break from the work and things like that. But it's been neat to see employees rally around, you know, people in those times of need. We had a, a guy who had a house fire and, right. you know, ended right. up uh, losing his home. And man, because of the relationships that were there and people caring, they, they leaned in pretty quickly. Oh, real quick, real quick. And, and I think... A big piece of it comes back to our mission, right? Our mission statement is to honor God, enrich lives, and empower people to achieve more. And you, you can't fulfill that if you're not willing to lean in in, in certain circumstances. Completely, completely. And I think, I think actually one of the things I've really enjoyed about some of the growth we've experienced and the number of people on the team now is additional opportunities to lean in ways that otherwise, you know, would be, would be challenging. Yeah. Cause I think when people see that model for the first time, it, it, it just propels itself. People are like, Oh, we, we can actually do that here. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to the question, uh, Dustin, I want to ask you this. If you know, you're consulting with a client and they, they ask you, 
work-life balance my responsibility or the employee's responsibility? Obviously, we just we just talked about a little bit of that, but how would you address that question? Yeah, I like where you're starting off. Um, that ultimately it does land on the employee. I mean, uh, outside of work, we we can't take responsibility for other people's actions or mindsets. So I think that's a good place to start. That it ultimately does land on the employee. However, I think there's a lot of things a business and leaders can do. Um, and you've provided a few examples that are really encouraging for me to hear, being a business close to where I live. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the first things leaders need to do is acknowledge uh, this whole concept, acknowledge the fact that work-life balance isn't just about time, um, acknowledge the fact that there are whole people, themselves included in that, right? Um, well, we talked Monday about, you know, what does it look like for a leader to discuss their home life and hobbies? And I'm not saying spill dirty laundry or, you know, or gossip or those yeah. things, but to share them whole their whole selves and say, hey, um, here are my plans for the weekend. Hey, I'm taking two days vacation. Don't email me. Don't call me. Like I'm going to be focused on my family. I'm going to be fishing with my dad, whatever that would be. And being as vocal as we can, as opposed to maybe always talking about being busy, always talking about having a full schedule, uh, just encouraging that whole self conversation and making an environment where people can celebrate PTO. I mean, I've been a part of businesses that like Taking PTOs, a, you get a little tiny badge of shame. It's like, <laughs> and jokingly, right? Yeah, right. It's like, You're hey, right. yeah. hey, how was the three-day the three weekend? That must be nice. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. you know, we jab at each other, but what you're doing there is you're creating a culture or allowing a culture that says resting is not okay. Right. Whereas if you take that and say, hey, I hope you have a fantastic long weekend. Like, uh, we're, you know, no email. Make sure to stay off text, email, all that stuff. Um, let me know how it goes from your Monday. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. No doubt. Those are two different conversations and it's may sound like a minor difference, yeah. but again, what culture are you creating around that? Um, so I feel like I could go on for a while, but sure, yeah. sure that's a big piece of it. A young, a young leader, Scott, I'll start with you here. Just talk to me a little bit about conversations you've had with uh, a young leader or people getting started a new business and, and, and they, they kind of assume that work life balance is going to be trash. They, that's, kind of the expectation, let's say an entrepreneur, a young entrepreneur, how would you coach them on, on looking at it from a different perspective? I know you've really helped me look at it as uh, what other people have done. It doesn't need to impact how you approach this subject. Completely. So, you know, what, what advice would you give somebody who's predetermined that they're going to have to, they're going to have to throw this away? Yeah. I, th- I think, unfortunately, Michael, there aren't a lot of great examples out there of people that have done it in a healthy way, started companies, started their career, and, and really stuck to that. But I think what I've seen is, is that when people are willing to say, hey, you know what? You hired me to do this role. I'm going to give you a good effort. I'm going to work hard in, in the time that we've talked about. But you know, after that, with a few exceptions, I, I've got a private life too. I can remember coming to a point early in my career at Biomet where... I'd been there a couple of years, so I'd run hard those first couple of years, really wanted to show them what I could do, prove myself. And then I backed down to what was a reasonable pace, which was probably still about 50 hours. And I remember on my annual review, my boss said, hey, it seems like you've kind of slowed down. And I'm like, well, am I still delivering results? And he said, yeah, absolutely. But this was a guy that was driving an hour each way to work and put in probably no less than 70 hours a week. Sure, sure. So I knew I was potentially cutting my head off yeah. by saying, you know what? I actually have some things outside of work that are really important to me. Yeah. My family, my church involvement, 
And I said, you know, I'll still work hard for you. I know we got exceptions where I got to come in on the weekend, but here's the line I'm setting. And I think what it did for me was it gave me the confidence to say, hey, you can still be an achiever and, and hit some of those goals, but also stand up for your family, stand up for, you know, that personal life. You know, we, we've talked a lot about work-life balance is not just about time. An hour spent at work is an hour not at home. Therefore, there's an imbalance. There's there's a lot of other factors. Where where do most businesses get their response to work life balance wrong? I think I think one of the places they get it wrong, and and Dustin was kind of alluding to it earlier. I think it's really not taking time to value them as a person. It, it's like you just see them as this commodity that it's like, oh man, I hired this awesome accountant and there's a scarcity mentality that man if they don't really grind it out for me then I, i'm losing out on you know what i'm paying them and things like that as opposed to realizing man do you realize over time a, a happily engaged person at home and in work is actually going to run through the the walls for you if you if they know they're they're valued and they're cared for and i just think those soft skills have kind of been scoffed at in the past, and I think they're really starting to come into play and realize that, man, if we want healthy, engaged employees, like yeah. we got to treat them like people, yeah. not just commodities. <laughs> no, you're right. It seems it seems so basic, but it's it's probably an exception. Yeah, certainly in certain industries, I would think. Yeah. One thing I've heard, um, and this is not from any business in particular, but I do think the conversations going around that. This whole like engagement, satisfaction, work-life balance piece—it's for younger folk, okay. right? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. we—and it's kind of written off, maybe not entirely written off, but it's like, well, for our Gen Xers and our the people who've been around the block a while, they don't care. They don't care about this. But we might need to make the young ones happy, and like that's kind of how—and it's almost dismissed and/or diminished, yeah. at least, yeah, right? Sure, because sure. it's a young person thing, and honestly. I don't even know. Like I just talked about the difference between the two from that Gallup study. So maybe there is a, a difference there. The reality is, is that right now I think millennials and Gen Z make up just under 50% together. Um, Gen Z is going to take over in the next, like it'll only get larger from here. Right. And so their, their philosophy and desire from the workplace is going to overtake the market. It has to, because people get older and unless we figure out a way to stop aging, we're going to replace the workforce. And so I think regardless of why, um, rather than diminish, I think we, it's a time, it's time to accept yep. that younger employees want, uh, the company to care about their well-being. Sure. Sure. I think they, a lot of them value time more than money. Absolutely. And experience and experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they want to be mentored. They want these things. So I know this isn't a Gen Z conversation, but I think it, I think it has started to drive this to the top of the conversation and, um, yeah, I think it's time to listen. Yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's interesting that that shift from, you know, kind of that big pendulum shift from work ethic to, you know, experience. I think older folks feel like it's an exclusive thing yeah. and that they're at yeah. odds with each other as opposed to trying to, you know, kind of integrate the two. Agreed. Because I think at some point and, and probably already, um, you know, there's a little bit of conversation that has to be had sometimes with with younger folks that, hey, it isn't all about the experience yes. and there's some work to be done here. And and, and we actually got to focus here and, and get some work done. We're going to have some fun stuff, too. But like, let's get some stuff done first. Yes. You know, and I think I think technology has changed so much that 
it's it's really led to very different conversation among different generations too. I, I remember I'll tell you a funny story. My dad used to leave these really long voicemails, the business <laughs> voicemails back in the day, and and he would get through this huge script, and he'd mess up and he'd hit a button to re-record the voicemail. Uh. So he would do like ten or fifteen voicemails, and he'd finally get it right. Today that would be us on our phone emailing or texting or, you know, um, working on teams or Slack or, or what have you. And it's, it's all instant and it's all right there. No matter what the time zone is, no matter where the client is, um, that's, that's a different factor that plays into work-life balance. I guess, is there some, when you look at the data, is there data that suggests technology plays a role in, in creating imbalance with, uh, work, work-life balance? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think we could, we've already kind of covered the hybrid remote, although I think that those technical technological advances have, have, have really sped things up. Um, but yeah, there's, I think of one story in particular that comes to mind was working with an executive who, um, was coming across as overbearing and his team was burnout. Um, and, and he told me, he said, listen, Dustin, so this was in a one-on-one. He said, listen, Dustin, I, I don't get it. Like I'm a high achiever. I hired all high achievers. I'm just, I'm blown away that they are burnt out because I feel like I expect the same thing from them. I always have. And so we started talking about his communication to them, talking about the technology piece. And he said, um, he's like, well, yeah, like, uh, I do my best. Like I, I leave, I go home and then I, I, I bang out all my emails from seven to 9 PM, sometimes a little later than that. It's like, that's just when I'm alive. I'm thriving at night. And I said, is the rest of your team like that too? And he said, I don't know. Like sometimes, sometimes email back. Yeah. But sometimes it's the next day I said, okay, but you're subjecting them to your power hours sure, of seven to sure. nine. Do you know if that's their power hours too? And so we started talking about that and how even email just a simple, which isn't a new thing. Yeah. Um, but I think hybrid remote again, talking about the, the, you know, the change in boundaries, um, applying him, applying his workload or his, his ideal time to his employees were create was creating an environment where his team felt like they always had to be on. Yeah. Some of them have young families, right? Some of them um, coach. Some of them have you know church church membership stuff, and they're getting these email tags from someone who they want to be like. They want to not just to be promoted or anything, but they follow this person and, and they care about him and sure, they want to be like sure, him. Sure. So if he's setting the bar for excellence, um, and this simple great technology of email has freed us up to communicate whenever, whoever, wherever we want, whenever. And, uh, yeah, it's become a detriment. So that's, that's not exactly data. That was more anecdotal no, no, from my that, experience, but. And Scott, how would you coach a, a young leader? Somebody comes to them and says, Hey, do I need to have email notifications? Do I, do I need to enable these things? You know, how, what would you walk them through? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's a healthy expectation conversation, you know, with your, your manager, your supervisor of just saying, Hey, I'm okay if you email me. Let's let's just set what the rules are. Yeah. You know, yeah. are you expecting me to reply, or is this you're just getting them out of your inbox and you're fine with me replying first thing in the morning? I, I think that's where the unknown and the stress can kind of come in. Is it's like, oh, am I you know supposed to respond right now, or or is this something that can wait? Sure. Yeah. Co- coaching them on on urgency, I think, is a, a- is really critical. Absolutely. I think another big concept in this whole conversation is really, you know, when you start looking at it from just a healthy individual, is when is that employee unplugging? Because I, I thought of it when you when you talked about the technology piece. In in some ways, it's awesome, 
but there's some there's some real downsides to it that man i i can be doing a little bit of work all day oh. long until i put my phone away it, it, in a bit, <laughs> i mean total inability to disconnect from yes time to time. yes yeah. i think and that's it, more even more prevalent with younger Completely. You are. Oh, Lack of sure. boundaries. Sure. The kind of, I, I think there's addiction with technology. There is, um, definitely. Not me, you know. Oh, not of us. course not. Other you. people, <laughs> other people. Yeah, I think, I think the other thing that, that technology does is, you already re- referenced it, it speeds up, but it also the context shifting that you do. Oh, I mean, yeah. you think about the context shifting that a typical eight-hour day holds compared to 10 years ago. 15 years ago. Absolutely. I mean, I talked to some of my friends that, you know, are still farmers and and things like that. And that's part of what I think they love about being in that environment is they can run at 40 miles an hour all day long. Yeah. yeah. Now they work some long hours. Absolutely. But the pace is slower and and they love that. Well, and it's focused. man, I think it's great. Very yeah. focused. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. One of the topics I want to talk about today, and I mean this both for an organization as well as an individual. We've talked about what work-life balance is. We've even questioned, is balance the right word? We've talked about it. It's way more than just time. What are some of the the symptoms or outcomes that we've all observed with organizations and people that are are not getting it right? I think employers and employees alike are want to create a conversation of like, how do we progress you? How do we progress you? How do we progress you? And that can be, that, that can be a really healthy, great thing. Um, a really positive thing for the business, for the individual. But I think at, at what cost sometimes yeah. is what comes to mind. And um, I don't know. I, I guess I think that it can often, it's going to come at the expense of the employee. Sure. Yep. Sure. You know, in my personal life, um, Scott, you'll, you'd get kick out of this. I notice that things are a little bit off when I really struggle to be decisive at home. Because mm. what it means to me is I got too much jam packed <laughs> in there. I, I'm a very decisive person generally. And when I can't be decisive at home, it makes me think, okay, there, something's out of balance. And I, I, I'm not operating the way I usually operate. Maybe you could comment on something personal or what What are outcomes that would indicate a business really needs to evaluate this too? Yeah, I, I think for me, the way I like to coach people and certainly even hold myself accountable is what are the roles? What are the God-given roles God's given you at this season of life? You know, every one of us around the table is a husband or a father, and then we're a worker at our business. And I think, you know, you ask one of the what are some of the indicators of this not going well? And and I would say it's when you don't feel like you're really succeeding or fulfilling those other roles. Oh, sure, sure. And it, it can be lots sure. of things. Sometimes it, it isn't necessarily always a, a work or a number of hours you're working, but, but often it, it can be. I, I know early on when I was way out of bounds with things, Julie would just say, hey, you're home, but you're not really home. You're not present you know, with me and, and the kids are talking to you and you're, you're on your phone or you're answering emails. That that seems like it could be a dangerous cycle because if, if you're, if you're not there at home and there's frustration, there could be temptation to feed, I mean, to give work more, right? And then, and then how do you get out of that cycle? Yeah. Because, you know, then you're getting kind of the complaining and the nagging at home. And yet if you're succeeding at, at work, you're getting the kudos and the attaboys and and so it just drives you, you know, further in that. And so I, I think it is being able to have healthy conversations with people and just saying, you know, back to what you said, Dustin, 
we're people and we want you to succeed in the whole realm of your life, not just here, you know, in the role we've given you at work. And so what can we do to kind of help you? And a lot of times we're just asking the questions. It really is, you know, up to the employee um, to, to do some of those things. But I think to be able to lean in and actually acknowledge, hey, this is a struggle for all of us. This isn't unique that you're you're facing. It's all of us. And, and we care about this. We want to help you fix it. Sure, sure. Man, when you were when you were sharing that, I was kind of going back to early in my career. I was in education. I worked for uh, the Crossing Education uh, Center, and we we ran a campus in Napanee. And there's a lot of kids that would come through that need, we wanted to give them the attention and love and care they deserved, and they needed it. This is a safety net school below the safety net, and so um, it was the last chance for a lot of these high school kids. And um, at that time, I didn't when I started. I didn't have any children yet. So I have four now, um, but I remember the year that I had my child and every day after school, I was staying after I was like tutoring kids. I was hanging out, playing football with yeah. them, whatever dinner. Um, we poured into those kids. We tracked our hours as hundreds of thousands of hours with these kids. And I remember, um, even after I had my child, I thought, well, he's fine. Like this is fine. He's just a baby. Um, and I was focused on this problem, not just for the kudos, but like I'm solving a problem or I'm, right. I'm trying, I'm doing something meaningful. And, and then I go home and it's just, you know, a crying baby. Yep. And I remember times thinking like, this doesn't feel like impact right here. Right. Like, but I, when I go to work tomorrow, it's going to be impact and I'll know the impact. And so I think as I like to see myself as a high achiever, high performer and always striving for that next problem to solve. And it did, it got me in trouble too. Right. Like, um, not prioritizing things. And I, I it made me even wonder as we're talking about this, that if, if this work-life balancing, I wonder if it's mostly a problem for higher performing people. Yeah. Yeah. Those that are always striving for that next problem right. to fix, yeah. for that next barrier to jump over, right? Um, I don't know if lazy people, maybe for a different reason, <laughs> struggle with some yeah. of that success, right? Sure. But but yeah. this specific thing that we're talking about today feels like those that are that are gonna push. And if you ask them, if I say like, hey, he's reliable, like I'm gonna call him at six because I got a problem with the client and I need it solved right now. I'm gonna call my guy, I'm gonna call my girl who I know will get it done. No, I, I think that's a really interesting topic. And, you know, one of the reasons I think high performers do struggle with this in particular is, you know, there's big decisions to be made. There's there's big decisions to be made in, in business. There's big sales. There's, you know, there can be kind of an addiction to that rush that you can get right. at work that you can't easily replicate at home. And to go back to that conversation, if, if you're not feeling very fulfilled at home, it, it's easy to look forward to that next rush right oh, and, I, totally. and I, I think that um that people are glued to their phones people are glued to email and it's it's that next rush is is part of that conversation um i think that's definitely something really pre prevalent today that is is really magnified with the tech and and everything else yeah i think you know to your point dustin i think i've heard people over the years go man how does that guy why is he so driven to work you know all these hours or things like that and i'm like well, he's got little ones at home. It's much easier to like stay in the office and, you know, crank out some work. And like you said, get the, get that rush than to go home and just be, you know, faithful dad and give your wife a break. And, you know, those, those are mundane things, but super important. Scott, one of the things that you've brought to the table at 109IT that's really been very valuable is you've, you've helped coach our leadership on identifying uh, some 
imbalance in, in the workplace and, and how to correct it. And one of the things that I thought was really important is every now and then when, when this becomes a major issue, it's, it's worth a company-wide evaluation. Do we have capacity? Do we have the right people in the right seats? What are some other things you might tell businesses to, to look into if, if they're feeling like this is a problem and, and don't know where to even start? Yeah, I would say it, it's probably another step back from that because what you're talking about is really having trust that you're going to get accurate feedback and answers. And so you really have to build some relationship and trust first. Um, but once you have that established, I think being able to hit the pause button, and sometimes it's off of a busy season, it's kind of an ideal time of just saying, wow, that project was super intense. Like, are you guys tired? I'm tired. And really just being honest that, man, this, this has been stressful and hectic. And, and hitting the time out, being human, and then just really asking you know, the questions like, hey, what, what could we have done differently to maybe have navigated this season to, you know, make this, you know, in the moment, everything seems so urgent. It's got to be done today. You know, we're going to lose this client, whatever. And then you get, you know, a few months down the road and you're like, ah, oh, man, it wasn't quite as crit mission critical as <laughs> yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. And so I think to just open that dialogue up and say, you know what, hey, we want to learn from this. So the next time we run into this, maybe we can get a little bit better and not and have a better pace for the whole thing. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I think one thing that comes to mind is that so the nerd comment in me, but you, you, in my opinion, you have to make things objective. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to a, a conversation like this or, or really anything around the culture piece, what a lot of leaders do, and this isn't necessarily bad, but they have the same few people that are talking in their ears and that's what sure. informs their yep. view of how the business is doing. And maybe even when you're small, that's something that's, you know, you have 10, 20, maybe 30 people. You might be close enough to the bottom where you can have a pretty sure. good beat on it. As you grow, um, and I don't know what that magic number is, but it becomes difficult to get the consensus of the business um, accurately. Sure. And that's where I think, uh, so what I do for businesses is help kind of build cultural KPIs for them because we have KPIs for all the operational side of the yeah, business of and we make decisions based on that, right? It's like this affects the bottom line negatively. We don't do it. Um, so with, but with people decisions, we just kind of make them based on our gut. Um, ultra, you know, we're trying to be altruistic. We're trying to be considerate, but again, it's just a subjective opinion. And so I think, you have to have some objectivity around this conversation. And so whether that's building out an index and, and assessing your employees quarterly, there, there's a hundred ways to do it, but I think it needs to be objective. Is, is Gallup an option out there or are there, are there plenty of holes in that? I, I'm, I don't know if there's holes in it. I mean, there are so many assessments. There's so many canned assessments out there. And I, and I, I wouldn't, we wouldn't even have the time to go through and say, which one of these is valid for this conversation or sure. not. Um, my stance and why I created my business and started my practice is that every single business is unique. So rather than use something canned uh, for the sake of a benchmark, which is good to see where we land, ultimately every with every business being unique, we have to ask the right questions. We have to ask it in the right way at the right time. Um, and if we want to get a metric around our people and culture, it can't be something that someone else is using. Yeah. And that's my opinion. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of value yeah. in those yeah. in those other tools, but when I work with clients, I build something for them yeah. Um, yeah. because I want them to know what it is, what it means, so they can make decisions based off of it, Yeah, similar to how they would with other KPIs. To totally agree with your methodology there. I've always thought that there was a lot of, a, a lot to be desired from some yeah. of those can, can surveys. Um, 
I really want to give people listening that are struggling with this topic. Let, let's say, for example, somebody feeling a lot of burnout right now. What are the next steps? I mean, I know I know it varies so much depending on why they're feeling burnout, burned out, but somebody listening, they're struggling. What can be done? Yeah, I, I think, you know, one thing would just be to try to get them to unplug. Um, you know, a lot of times it's going to be over a weekend, but get get some place where you can get kind of some clear headspace and and really just start, you know, asking yourself some questions, you know, what is it that's that's causing this burnout in me? Is it is it a bad fit? Am I being asked to do something that really isn't fit me? Sometimes it's that. Um, is it the pace at which I'm having to do stuff? It's just too much, too fast. Um, it could be some of those kinds of things. Maybe there's a personal issue going on that is, you know, causing uh, some stress and it's bleeding into uh, the burnout that I'm I'm feeling. Um, yeah, I think it's really trying to get to the root of that. I think the other thing I would say after you spend kind of some time by yourself, I would say, man, get somebody across the table from you that knows you pretty well sure, and that sure. can really just kind of ask you some questions that cares about you and, yeah. and that kind of thing. And I think between those two, you're probably going to unearth a good, a good starting point. That was, I was going there. Uh, that was one of my, the two things that came to mind for me is just mentorship uh, from someone who holistically, hopefully even knows your family. Yeah. Um, my primary mentor and I have a few is someone we sit down and the first thing he asked about is my wife. Nice. Then he asked about my kids. Then he asked about my work. Um, and certainly we might, sounds like up, somebody I know <laughs> we still might end up talking more about work, but he's not going to miss those beats in the conversation. So yeah, I, every single person, I don't care how low in the totem pole you are and <laughs> what business you work for, get a mentor. Completely. Um, and then I would say, you know, we, we've had a few points in here, but talking about how spouses or, or people in our lives that eventually tell us that, Hey, there's an imbalance, something's, something's wrong. I would say, um, even if that conversation hasn't happened, get ahead of it. Yeah. Sure, Sit down with sure. your partner. And if you're not, you know, if you're not married and you still feel like this is a concern, sit down with a good friend or a roommate and yeah. say, listen, I'm trying to understand if, if I'm in the right spot, you're one of the primary people who gets the negative effects of me not being in a good spot. So how am I doing? And what boundaries do you think would be good to set up? So if I'm working from home, you know, my wife and I have now had that conversation, but she started that with me. So, yeah. right. If I had initiated and noticed that earlier, we could have avoided some tough conversations um, and some headaches and some, you know, stressful nights. So I would say just being honest with yourself um, and I guess both all of these suggestions have fallen under the same asking for help. Yeah. Um, it's hard to recognize your own demise. It's a really strong word for right now. Right. <laughs> but like, it's hard to recognize those things in sure, ourselves. So sure. get an outside opinion, yeah. be humble enough to open yourself up to change. Um, and you said this earlier, I, you will get that meeting back at work if you miss it completely. I'm not talking about like just skipping out on perform like meaningful projects or anything like that, but those things you'll get another chance in those. You do not get another chance. Like if I missed a soccer game, I missed the soccer game, right? Yeah. If I missed a date night or if I was distracted by my phone, I've lost that opportunity, but there will be other projects. There will be other jobs. There will be redos and on, on the professional side of things. And so, yeah. Dustin, again, I just wanted to thank you for joining us today, especially on such short notice. Really, really appreciate it. How can the folks get a hold of you? Give us one more reminder. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Um, 
easiest way to reach out to me is caliberconsulting.org. In the upper right, there's a chance to book time uh, with me. What I'm looking for is to build relationships just like we are here, have yeah. conversations yeah. just like we are here with businesses who care about their people. So if, if that's you, uh, you can find uh, find me on that website. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. I also really want to thank Dream On Studios again for hosting us. Really, really appreciate it. They, this is a world-class awesome. studio. If, yeah, if you haven't great. checked out Dream On Studios, please do. It's incredible. Thank you so much. Uh, Folks, we're going to have a section on our, our website and social media here real soon, winonaIT.com, where you'll be able to submit a topic that you would like to hear about, and we're going to go through several of those uh, over the next few weeks. So really looking forward to it. Tech, business, life. Uh, we're open to pretty much anything at this point. So let us know your suggestions, and, and thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate it. 